0: You're listening to the Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. Well, welcome to the Hard Men Podcast. I am your host, Eric Kahn. And in this episode, I want to talk about the masculine virtue of dealing with sin. Now, what do you do when you realize that, as the prophet Jeremiah said, your heart is deceitful and wicked? above all things. What do you do when you realize, like Alexander Solzhenitsyn, that the line between good and evil, well, it runs not through classes, races, or genders, but right through every human heart? What do you do in these scenarios and how do you deal with your sins? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the practical manly strategies, skills, and competencies for dealing with Sin. Now, why do I think this is such an important issue? Well, it's because, especially when you look at the manosphere and any sector of culture where masculinity is at least attempting to be reclaimed, there's virtually nothing said about this subject of sin. In fact, many red pill guys actually champion sin. So things like serial womanizing and fornication. If you've read any of Rouche V and his earlier work, of course, he's repented now, but it was all about having sex with as many women as humanly possible. So, of course, he's not talking about sin. Uh, if you read The Way of Men, Jack Donovan, uh, this dude is into pagan worship and homosexuality. Uh, many of the guys, including Jack Donovan, into this really navel gazing vanity, right? The men's fitness accounts look how svelte my body is in any and every pose in the wilderness, in the gym, right? That's what these guys are about. One of the other things you find that the manosphere and the red pill movement is about is this obscene perversity and coarse language, right? Guys tend to glory in how profane they can speak. Now, if you followed the podcast, you know I'm all about plain, direct speech If you know me in my real life, you know that I am all about speaking like a man, and even I'll be the first to admit, I go too far uh, at times, and so I have to clean up my language. People remind me of this, but when you look at Reddit posts about the Manosphere, I'm talking a whole new level of just filthy talk. So while many of these voices in the Manosphere and many of the resources that they produce They will teach you as a man how to become proficient in what I will call manly competencies and skills. But what they don't do is give you any sort of moral compass. In fact, they leave you almost completely morally bankrupt. There is no moral ethos except really a sort of survival mentality. Now, when you think about it, this makes sense because most of these men, including Say Jordan Peterson and Jack Donovan, they're operating predominantly and solely from a perspective that is bathed in evolutionary psychology. And so it's this sort of survival of the fittest. The only morality is about survival as a group. Jack Donovan will talk about this in the gang mentality. Their chief concern is survival. And so they're not going to talk about things we would tend to think of as traditional. Western Christian concepts of morality. So while their are insights about the practical competencies of masculinity, well, they do offer valuable medicine to a Gnostic culture that will tell you that sexuality and biology mean basically nothing, right? These guys are good at addressing those problems, but they say nothing about a man's talos, his morality, his higher purpose or aim in life. And fundamentally, they fail to answer the very significant question that every man should answer. What is a man for? I want to give you just one example of this. And this comes from, again, Jack Donovan's book, The Way of Men. Donovan argues in the book for this notion that being good at being a man, you know, things like being strong, being courageous, being honored among your peer group Well, he says that being good at being a man is an amoral proposition. So he says it's got nothing to do with morality. It's just about this this way that we're hardwired in a very evolutionary biology type of way. And so what he wants to do is separate moral goodness of men from the skill of masculine competencies. Well, it's little wonder where this takes Donovan in his own personal life. His version of masculinity leads him to this strange pagan worship. It leads him to this very vain bodybuilding and, of course, into the perversion of homosexuality and sodomy. So here's my point in bringing all of this up. We can learn a lot about the practical elements of being a skillful man from some of these manosphere red pill voices. That's great. But you need to read them with extreme discernment. Yes, it's helpful tonic in our androgynous culture to talk about the very real physical biological realities of men and women. But when you make a man more skillful, right, at being a man, but then you leave him without a moral compass, well, it's a lot like refurbishing a ship without providing the captain with a destination. So congratulations, your sails are mended. The rudder works again but you have absolutely no idea where you're going. And so this kind of masculinity, you're just as lost as any other man. The problem is now you have the skills to put you out on the wide open ocean, but you're headed for the destructive waters of nihilism. And if you've read 12 Rules for Life with Jordan Peterson, he even says this is exactly where a lot of this way of thinking will take you. I think it's where it's taken Jordan in his own life uh, with his psychological breakdown um, and some of his own worldview, this is where he has ended up: depression, not knowing how to deal with a wife who has cancer, etc. It, it leads us to this. What we need today is a competent masculinity, so I'm all about competencies and skills. If you listen to the podcast, you know that that's true. But what we also need, paired with this, organically connected to this, this is the root is a historically reliable moral direction. This comes from one place, and that's from divine revelation in Scripture. You will find no other place where morality can be grounded than in the Scripture and in the Bible. So we need a piety with two legs. We need godliness, like Paul said, that leads to godly living. Doctrine and godliness rolled into one thing. We need biblical doctrine that embraces wisdom as a skill for living well. So that brings me back to the main focus of this episode and what we're going to talk about, which is the manly skill of dealing with your own sin. This is what I've been arguing. What good is being more physically fit or more courageous? What good is being more competent as a man if your heart is being rotted away by FOMO, for you older folks, that's the fear of missing out, right? You, you go on Instagram and you see other people's lives, but like the Proverbs tell us, envy rots the bones. FOMO will rot your bones. So yeah, you're more physically fit, but every day you just think about, man, I wish I was like this guy. What's going to destroy your life? What are some other things that destroy your life? How about pornography? Right, sexual immorality. The problem is when you're looking at pornography, this is a weed in your life that's going to destroy you. What about habitually lying? We, we do this, many of us on a, a daily basis. We lie about ourselves to make ourselves seem like better people than we really are. So what about all these things? What good is it if you have ripped biceps, but you're going to hell? here's my main argument for today. The manliest thing that you can do today is deal with your own sin. The manliest thing that you can do today is to deal with your own sin. It's not to go on a tweet rant storm or to post a thousand right-wing articles to Facebook or parlor. It's not to argue with the statist at your local grocery store about what is and is not lawful mask policy enjoyable as that might be. And let me clarify, I am certainly against the masks, but this is not what manliness is about. Manliness, and the manliest thing you can do is deal with your own sin first. So I want to talk about the practical ways that you can be doing this in your life starting today. Now, there's a a false view of masculinity that I want to address at this point, and I will call it the John Wayne approach to dealing with sin. Some of you will be familiar with this. It was John Wayne who said in a movie, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon, he said this, Never apologize, mister. It's a sign of weakness. Well, that line, of course, as I said, was delivered by John Wayne He was playing the role of Captain Nathan Brittles in the 1949 Western, she wore a yellow ribbon. Again, movie Aficionados, directed by John Ford. Now, it's a great movie, by the way. But is this how men should think about confession of sin, dealing with sin, taking responsibility for their own sin? Should you view it that if I apologize, I'm I'm showing weakness. Well, practically, I think many men see apologizing. And admitting that they were wrong as a sign of weakness. In reality, and this is what we want to talk about today a genuine apology displays a man strong enough to take responsibility for his mistakes, for his shortcomings, his failures, and his sins. In other words, it takes great strength of character to own your sins, your mistakes, and your failures. Now, one of the great examples of this in terms of literature and people that I've listened to is Jocko Willink. So, he's got a book, it's called Extreme Ownership. And it's all about this principle that the best of men are going to take extreme ownership and responsibility for their own mistakes. And this doesn't make you weak, it actually makes you strong and honored in the eyes of your men. So, this book begins Jocko was a Navy SEAL. And he's overseas, he's fighting, I think it's Desert Storm, number two, uh, the invasion somewhere in there of Iraq. And so Jocko tells about a mission that failed. And the mission failed, and he was called into his commander's office, and he, they asked him, they said, well, what, what has happened? And he said, sir, I take full responsibility for what happened, here's where the failures were, I own every single one of them, and I will take all the blame. And it's interesting because you think, well, Jocko's going to get fired. He's going to get demoted. He's going to be on latrine duty. And yet his commander rightly as a good leader, he noticed this and he said, very well, you know, men in our unit, this is, this is what men should be like. This is what leaders do. They take ownership. And so Jocko has turned this book into a business. He's got a, a podcast, the Jocko podcast. And it's, it's all about this, like how you and your business can take extreme ownership. If there are failures in your household, you as a father have to own them. If your sons are misbehaving, it's on you. And so what's interesting about this is all of Jocko's men loved him because he took ownership of the situation and he took ownership of making it better. Now recently I had a situation in my life that brought this very same sort of reality to the forefront of my mind. And see some of my kids were misbehaving, if you can believe that. And some other people brought that to my attention some some really good friends. And they said, "Hey, this is some of the things we've seen with your with your children." And so it was that moment, like this is hard. It's at that moment that you have this it's, it's a crossway. It's a decision, fork in the road. They come to you and they say, here's your son's sin. And you, you can blame your kid. You can say, well, you know, he's terrible and blah, blah, blah. And you could blame, well, COVID, COVID's going on, right? There's so many things that you could blame. But from reading Extreme Ownership, from thinking about these things for a long time, I immediately in the moment, I was like, you know what? You're right. I have failed as a father and I have work to do, and I am sorry, and I am going to address these issues, right? So it, it really showcased how we have to deal with sin, and like where each of us is going to face these moments in life where sin is brought to your attention. Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's yours, maybe it's about your spouse, maybe it's about your business, you know, the, the business financial report comes back. And you can lie, and you can make excuses, and here's why we failed, and, or you can take ownership. So that's what we're going to delve into. And in particular now, what I want to do is I want to give you a few points. I want to give you four points about the very practical ways that you can manfully deal with sin in your life. And as we go through these, I guess what I want to convey to you is that these should be a part of your daily life right? Peter asked Jesus, he said, how many times should we forgive? And Jesus basically said, well, 70 times seven depends on your translation. But as many times as you sin, you need to seek forgiveness. And as many times as other people sin, you need, to, you need to forgive them. I think the point is that this is an ongoing thing. It should be happening all the time in the life of your family and pastorally and counseling people. What I so often notice is that people do not know how to do this. Some of the most awkward pastoral moments is like a husband and wife come to me and they will say, hey, we have sinned. My husband sinned against me. And I go, okay, well, dude, we're here. Let's deal with it. Apologize. And he's like, well, I'm really sorry that you felt that I was mean to you. And I'm like, whoa, time out. Bottom feeder response. What are you doing, bro? This is the most effeminate thing you could possibly do. You're, I'm sorry that you felt that way. No, bro, you need to take responsibility for your sin. And then you think about kids, right? I think about the way so many of us were raised. Like, I cannot think of one time in my life where the proper dynamics of apology, forgiveness, this whole process was properly demonstrated until much later uh, in my life. And again, if you're raising your kids in the right way, they're going to understand these things. And they're going to be able to employ them on a daily basis. So this is about forming habits in the life of your family where you're doing this all the time, okay? So number one point that I want to bring up is this. First, take full responsibility for your sin. Full, complete responsibility for your sin. Do not blame shift. So the tendency when somebody comes to you and they says, hey, your kid did this. Hey. I really didn't like what you had to say. I thought you were very rude. Whatever it is, people bring an issue to your attention. The first temptation that you're going to have is to make excuses and to blame somebody else. Right? So what you have to habitualize in your life is taking full responsibility. Somebody comes to you and they says, hey, you know, that email that you sent was really sucky, man. Uh, you didn't have to CC everybody in the company. And so, what you have to do is say, and this is how it works very simple. Say, so you're right. That was not appropriate. I want to apologize for my sin. And I want to ask for your forgiveness. Right? You take full responsibility. What would it look like if you were blame shifting? Had this happen in a uh, different season in life, but a young man was messing around with me. I was a, I was pastoring and the young man, you know, he was doing this like psych thing where he'd pretend to hit people. I'm a pastor and I'm standing in the front of the church and this young man does this psych, except he actually hits me in the face. And I immediately, I grabbed him by the arm and I took him to his parents and I said, your son just hit me in the face and they said, "Oh, well, you know, he was probably just messing around. I'm sure you misunderstood it. Oh, well, we've had a really hectic, crazy busy week." Da, 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 da. And then they, you know, tried to leave. And of course, I was like, "No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not having that." Right? So what we need to do is we need to take full responsibility. You're right. I was wrong in this instance. It is my fault. I take. And you can practice saying these words. I'll say these to my wife when she corrects me. I'll say you're right, honey, and I take full responsibility for my sin. This is no one's fault but my own. I have failed. So, start there. Start this conversation, this dealing with sin, take full responsibility. Okay, number two. Number two principle is this. Confess your sins fully to a trusted man. Now, I think that this is important that you be doing this on a continual basis. Like this should not be, just like all of these principles, this should not be once every six months, once every five years, right? It's not that you confess your sins like after you shot somebody. Be like, bro, I got really mad and I just, you know, did something horrible. Or, you know, you're on your fifth DUI and you say, I think now I'm going to confess. But instead, what I'm getting at is that you need to be continually confessing. Right? You, you need to be doing that. I would encourage you to find somebody who's trustworthy. So that's kind of the second part of this. It has to be to a trusted man. This is key, right? We live in a, a world where people can air your dirty laundry on social media. They, you know, screenshotting. You're in groups. You know about the Amy Bird situation, uh, Geneva Commons. People are screenshotting, they're taking things out of context. They're trying to make people look bad. Men, particularly, if you're going to confess masculine sins, you need to find a person who's not going to burn you, right? And this is why the priestly confessional, the confidence of the the confessional booth is so important. You need to confess to a man who will be a vault, right? This is what my friends and I will say to one another. Hey, man, I need to tell you something, and this goes in the vault, now, it's worth saying at this point, too, I'm not talking about crimes, right? It, pastorally, I know this. If somebody comes to you and you be like, hey, I just murdered like 15 people. Like, you have to report that. I get that. But we're talking about non-criminal behavior. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, I got a porn problem. Hey, you know, my wife and I just got in a big fight and we're super pissed at each other. Right? You need somebody to go to that knows how to put it in the vault, lock it away. He's not going to go on Twitter and, and dump your dirty laundry or dump it at the coffee shop in your town or or whatever it is. And you need to find somebody who is going to listen as a fellow sinner. So this is twofold. One, they can empathize with you as a sinner. And number two, they're not going to coddle you. They understand that the way sin works, and when you're being deceptive, they're going to be able to call you on it. I would encourage you, ideally, this is your pastor or an elder. Somebody who actually has authority in your life Somebody that you can confess your sins to, they can follow up with you, they can hold you accountable. Again, empathy, but not coddling. It's important to have this as a man, and it's important to be in the continual practice of confessing where you are wrong. So, this brings us to the third point, which is that as men, we need to ask forgiveness first from God and then from those that we have wronged. So first of all, we confess our sins to God. You think of David in Psalm 51. He says that against you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned. And I think what David is getting at is that ultimately all sin is against God. And that's something that we need to understand that when we fail our families, when we fail at work, uh, we fail our wives, that ultimately this sin is against the Lord. And that's a severe thing. And so we go first to the Lord and we say, God, I am sorry. Will you please forgive me? And I'm saying, like, you pray that. You actually say those things God, forgive me for looking at pornography. God, forgive me for screaming at my coworker. God, forgive me uh, for going on a profanity laden tirade in front of my kids. You need to ask forgiveness from God and from those that you have wronged. So, this is where I think, as men, this is where I hate the never apologize thing. I know so many. People, and men in particular, who think that being a man's man means that you don't apologize. I think it's a great strategy if you want your kids to think you're a hypocrite and for them to hate you. Like, every day you're demanding that they seek forgiveness when they sin, and then you're not willing to do it. Not only is it going to harden you as a complete and total hypocrite, but it's going to make your kids and your wife hate you. So the best thing that we can do to be honest and to build loving relationships in which people trust and respect us, is not by hiding our sin, it's by going to them and apologizing and seeking forgiveness. So let me give you just one example. If my kids, and this happens, you know, my kids are being rambunctious, whatever. Generally, I'm not dealing with it well, something else is going on, you know, work is stressful, whatever it is. So I flip out at my kids and read them the Riot act. And, you know, everybody has that look in their face like, gosh, dad is a deranged serial killer right now. And so what I do is I will go to them and I will say, yeah, man, I am sorry. Your father was wrong. The way that I treated you was wrong. I was angry and I was sinning. And I will look at my kids and I'll say, will you please forgive me? And this is what we've trained ourselves in our family to do. This comes straight from the scripture. We're called by Paul to forgive as we have been forgiven in Christ. And so when we extend forgiveness in our family, we'll say, please forgive me. And then the other person will say, I forgive you as Christ also forgives me. And it's such a great reminder in that moment of the gospel. Uh, We are forgiven because Christ has paid the penalty for our sins. We're not worthy of this forgiveness, but we are going to experience and express the grace that we've been given to one another. And man, I'm telling you, there's nothing more powerful than when you sin against your kids and you go to them and you say, daddy was wrong, please forgive me. When you have a four or five-year-old say to you, I forgive you, daddy, as Christ also forgives me. Man, that, I mean, it levels you. It humbles you. It's a really good thing. And you know, I think the thing is, too, with kids, because if, if they're trained in this, kids are like so quick to forgive. I've done some terrible things, usually in terms of like losing my temper with my kids. I feel horrible afterwards. You know, things I've said, and it's crazy. I'll go to them and say, man, I am so sorry. And I'm thinking in my mind, yeah, they're going to be mad for a little while about this. And instead, they're like the father welcoming the prodigal. And I'm telling you, man, you need this in your life. You need to go to your wives and say, I am sorry, I failed you. Will you please forgive me? Right? We don't just cover over, try to work past sin without dealing with it. And this is what Paul means, by the way, when he says to keep short accounts. It means you don't let debts build up. You don't let each other build a six-month list of all the sins that you haven't repented of. You just, as the sins come up, you repent, you say you're sorry, and then you forgive and you move on with life. And it's a much cleaner way of living your life. So that was number three, ask forgiveness from God and from those that you have wronged. Now, fourth, and this is crucial, fourth, you need to set things right. You need to do the hard work of ordering your own life and existence. So I think one of the biggest mistakes, particularly in the last 30 to 40 years of Christendom, is that we have this notion that any type of obedience to God's word is legalism or works righteousness. So if you hear me say, well, you need need to set things right, and you go, oh, he's talking about works righteousness. No, I'm talking about a gospel response of true repentance to your own sins. And where I would point you if you're questioning that, you're wondering if that's really the way that scripture works, go to Luke's gospel and look up the account of Zacchaeus. And it's interesting because Zacchaeus was this tax collector who had been robbing people, literally just stealing from them. And what does he say to Jesus? He says, Well, everything that I've to- taken, I've paid back plus interest. Of all the money that he'd stolen, not only did he So think about this process. He had to think about it. He had to think about the people that he'd taken from. It was probably a lot of people. He'd have to think about how much he had taken from them. He would have to do the math. He'd have to figure out what a biblical rate of interest for restitution would be. And it really, I mean, look, sometimes repentance is expensive. It's painstaking. It's long-term work, but when we are willing to embark on this work in obedience and faithfulness and gratitude to being forgiven in Christ, like this is the sign that you have truly been transformed by the grace of the gospel. And so when things are wrong, you set them right and you set about doing work. Again, recently in my own life, it's looking at your kids and saying, wow, you know, my kids, their attitudes are not very good right now. Um they're not nice to each other, they're not very respectful to other people. And man, for us it's been this long process where we're looking at our life and we're saying how much TV are we watching? What influences are we allowing with our children? Um you know, are they on devices all the time? And then and then we've done the painstaking work of saying, "Okay, you know, we're we're going to be fasting from these things." uh we're going to be taking away devices we've been on them way too much we're going to go a season without them a lot of that stuff we just got rid of anyway we're not watching movies i need to spend better time with my kids as a father you know that that's a hard thing to do you get busy with your work but just saying look every evening we're we're, we're going to play board games together in the mornings we're going to eat breakfast together and we're going to do family worship and we're going to pray together and we're going to sing together Right. And, and so this is, this is hard work. It's much easier just to come home from work. You just check out, turn on the telly, you turn on Netflix. You don't really talk to each other. Right. But this work of repentance, if you recognize that that's a sin and it is, then you have a lot of work to do. And I would just encourage you as you're doing that work, just keep thinking back on the grace of Jesus. Keep asking for the spirit's help and, and his power so that you can keep repenting, right? Lord, help me to repent with a joyful heart. Help me not to be doing this because I think I'm earning your favor, but because I'm grateful for the atoning sacrifice of Jesus and then to be about that work. So quick recap, the four steps that we just talked about. The manliest work that you can do in your life is deal with your own sin and the way that you do it. Number one, you take full responsibility for your sin and you do not blame shift. Number two, you confess fully to a trusted man. Men, you need trusted men in your life. Number three, ask forgiveness first from God and then from those whom you have wronged. And number four, set things right. Do the hard work of ordering your own life. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast, and I especially want to thank all of you who are supporting this good work on Patreon or through the giving function on my website. I super appreciate that. Uh, You guys' questions, conversation have been really fantastic. They've challenged me, shaped me, and made me think about a lot of things, and it's made me a better man. If you're not giving at this point, I would encourage you to support the work through Patreon. You can find a link at the end of the show. And if you do sign up to become a VIP member or supporter, then you will receive a 16-ounce pint glass with the Hard Men logo on it. For those of you who are supporting on Patreon, I'd also encourage you to send your questions my way. Every month we do an Ask Me Anything And you get to be a part of that show. It's been really great. And that is exclusive content for Patreon supporters. So please send your questions. And finally, you can follow me on several social media outlets, including Twitter. You can find that information in the show notes. Or you can simply go to Twitter. My handle is Eric, E-R-I-C, underscore C-O-N-N. And of course, you can follow along with everything I'm doing, including my newsletter at ericcon.com. That's ericconn.com. That's E-R-I-C-C-O-N-N dot com. Until next time, men, stay frosty, fight the good fight, act like men.